You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Thank you and welcome to the show. You have Matt, you have Lars, and you have Noah Haynes, the controls there at Tide 100.9 WTBC in Tuscaloosa. Hey, uh, we've got a lot from the Heisman to Florida State backlash continuing to Shoei Otani, who showed me the money. But first, I just want to send all of our thoughts and prayers out to those that were affected by the tornado Saturday night. They went like a mile from my house. They went. There were two F1s that came through Homewood, Mountain Brook, Cahaba Heights, Vestavia Hills, all in that area. So if you had damage, many, many... We're very sorry about that. But fortunately, in our area, there have not been one single injury reported. And I would assume that's because they were tornado aware. Nashville was not nearly as fortunate as six people perished in tornadoes up in Tennessee. So we are always weather aware. And Lars, always quick to uh, send our prayers and our thoughts out to those that have been affected. But fortunately, and the one that hit Cahaba Heights didn't come very far from your house um i don't know if you were up and aware of it, it came through i think about 12 30 something like that oh uh, yeah um i it was, was uh, i was, was actually re- out in my car coming back from babysitting the grandkids and i could see it you know on the horizon as i was getting off 65 and i got into my house immediately it, what happened with you well, it was raining so hard that uh, I could not see across the street to my neighbor's house. I mean, it was just an absolute deluge. And uh, unfortunately, a, a building that, uh, that my group, Sky High Studios, is uh, going to be perhaps moving into uh, was hit by the tornado and suffered uh, significant damage. And uh, boy, uh, getting this uh, project off the ground, Matt, has just been, uh, it's been so challenging. Uh, One of our guys got in a a car accident. Another one of our guys had his tornado get hit by a house. And you know who I'm talking about, Um, James Spann. Um, another one of our uh, people in our group uh, uh, tragically, sadly, uh, lost a son. And now uh, this, right, when we look like we're going to be able to really get going in, in Sky High Studios, and I'll talk more about this uh, later on, um, you know, down the road. But it is going to be a multimedia company unlike any other, not just in Alabama, but the entire South. And it is going to, uh, I believe, absolutely reshape uh, sort of how we think of media in the state of Alabama. And uh, we are so close to finding a, a home for what we want to do. And then the tornado hit the this beautiful, beautiful building. And uh, again, it's not uh, the, it's not like the building has to be uh, you know uh, taken down or anything, but it's just gonna kind of slow things up. But hey, nobody was hurt, so that's that's the main thing. Nobody was hurt, and um, these tornadoes did not stay on the ground very long. Um, and I believe uh, the one that was in uh, Wildwood area. I think the top winds were about 100 
or maybe 80 to 100. And I think the one in Cahaba Heights was about 100 to 120. And, uh, but, you know, it, it was just uh, one of the Saturday was just, it was one of those strange, sort of strange days where when you're outside, you know, I, I, I've described this to you is that it just feels tornado-y. Right, and but it, well, but this is December. Enough to, you, you've lived here long yeah. enough to know we have a brief period of time in the late fall, early winter where this is, uh, well, it, it, there is a likelihood for them, and you've been in Alabama long enough to where you can feel it in your bones too. Is you as absolutely as can, so. um, and I, I, you know, I think it took the National Weather Service quite a while to determine that there actually was uh, two, two, were two tornadoes on the ground. Yeah, but, they were uh, F1s, which is the smallest of the categories, but nonetheless, 100-mile-an-hour winds, 100-mile-an-hour wind. Yeah. So, we'll... Uh, what, what were you doing? Today. Did you, I was did driving you... back from Grand... I was uh, Grand Sitting for my... And uh, my daughter and husband were home a little late. They'd been to a Christmas party. So, I was driving up 65. I could see the lightning. You know, I said, man, that is brutal. And then I got home, found out exactly how brutal it well, was. was but, a... uh, was the rain coming down as you were driving? Oh yeah, you know it's it's it was almost pull over to the side of the road raining that hard. Yeah, uh, and uh, but there, there was a lot there was of so uh, much lightning. Yeah, and, thunder. Yeah, yeah it was but, just uh, like uh, you said. Not, fortunately, no one was injured. Uh, on the sports scene, Lars, uh, I guess you're headed to Tampa, right? <laughs> of course. It's Big a great red. day to be a Nebraska Cornhusker, uh, yes. Nebraska women's volleyball in the in the Final Four, uh, and it looks like former Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord going to become a Husker in the transfer portal. Twenty four seven is in in their very trustworthy uh, outfit for sure. It's where our buddy Mike Rodak works. So they're saying it's a hundred percent to Kyle McCord to Nebraska and. Uh, also, it looks like uh, one of Ohio State's top receivers may be coming to Nebraska. Yep. Also, a few uh, uh, players from Florida may be coming to Nebraska. So, uh, hey. Did I hear Eddie Ann might be coming? The yeah. Florida running back? Yeah, yeah. That's There's a pretty a, big pickup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Matt Rule, is uh, he is hitting it hard. Um, and, uh, you know, he wasn't... He had just become Nebraska's head coach last year at this time, and so Nebraska really wasn't gonna wasn't able to go that deep into the portal. Uh, but uh, yeah, so exciting! Nebraska women's volleyball uh, is there along with uh, in Tampa with uh, Wisconsin, and I can't remember the two other teams. But Nebraska and Wisconsin really have been the the two uh, two good teams this year, the two superior teams in all of uh, women's college vas- basketball or women's college volleyball. And uh, I know it's not a topic that is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, but it's been a special year for Nebraska volleyball, just, uh, you know, starting with uh, uh, at the beginning of the year when Nebraska filled Memorial Stadium. Uh, over a hundred thousand people watched uh, Nebraska play in, in a women's volleyball match. It was the most highly attended women's sporting event in the in the United States history, and uh, see if they can uh, take care of business. So, yeah, and uh, 
you know what and what a crazy game last night uh, uh, with uh, the Bills and the Chiefs and uh, a play that could have been the NFL's play of the decade was wiped out by a boneheaded boneheaded uh, play by Kadarius Tony but we'll get into that more uh, on the uh, on the other side with uh, with our next guest I think uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, did he go to Florida State no, he went to Texas Tech. That that was a joke. Oh, sorry. He's whining like a baby, like Florida State fans. They're really starting to get on my nerves, you know? Now they're talking about boycotting the Orange Bowl, and now the big talk is they're going to the Big Ten. Um, by the way, Florida State, and I'll just throw one back at you. You're not going undefeated in the Big Ten. All right. Uh, yes, indeed. Our next guest will be Jeff Spiegel. Then in an hour, we'll have Bruce Cunningham, a uh, long time with the uh, Baltimore Ravens, huge NFL guy, and he can talk about what we saw last night in the uh, as Buffalo upset Kansas City. It's a big win. Is Kansas City on a two-game skid? Uh-oh. All right. I hope you all know those little comments about Florida State, mostly in jest. We'll be back with more Big Noon Sports. Tuscaloosa weather. A very cool afternoon with sunshine and full supply. The high today, 51. A freeze late tonight, clear with the low at 29. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 55 and 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Lars, Matt, Noah, with you, and joined by pretty much our regular Monday guy. That's Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Jeff, thanks for tuning in and joining us. I hope that uh, you escaped Saturday night with uh, little if no damage as far as the tornadoes were concerned because, man, two F1s coming through literally Birmingham, mainly Homewood, Mountain Brook, Vestavia. But uh, y'all okay? Merry Christmas. Yeah, well, Merry Christmas to you guys. Uh, we've been we've been very fortunate over the years. We live in Pelham, and um, you know we had a scare uh, two or three years ago uh, where one came through, um, and you know came you know close to our place. But but uh, y- you know we've we've certainly been very fortunate. My daughter actually lives off of um, Highland Avenue uh, in a um, kind of a high rise condo and so uh she sent back some video that she took about twelve fifteen, and, and there were just there was stuff just hammering on her window and i don't know if it, it sounded like hail uh but i but she also has like a a tree next to you know her place and so we thought maybe it might be branches you know blowing against the window too but it was really really loud so that kind of you know frightened her a little bit she's up on the sixth floor and so, uh, but now that I know there were tornadoes that came through, I'm, I'm, I'm more scared than I was when I saw the video the first time. <laughs> I understand 100%. Well, yeah. glad all is well. Uh, Jeff, there are a bunch of pretty big stories. I, I'm going to start in baseball. Two topics here. Shohei Otani is going to make, y'all, I did a little bit of math. 
he will make $5.8 million a month. Uh, he will make $192,000 per day. That's based on a 10-year $70 million, $700 million. Just react to that for me, Jeff Spiegel. Well, let me let me ask you this. Would it, would it make sure. you feel better if I broke it down this way, that he's getting $350 million to be a pitcher and $350 million to be a hitter? Does that does that make you does it make it yes. stomach a little bit better? I, yes, as a matter of fact, it does. He's the value of two players. So, yeah, yeah I mean, this, it, it really I, does. We, we throw that word generational around way too much, way, way too much, way too much. <laughs> but but this is a generational player. I mean, this is uh, this is Babe Ruth like recreated, and uh, and it, except obviously Shohei takes a little bit better care of himself than Babe Ruth did. But uh, but he he's amazing. So, you know, these are numbers like my dad wouldn't like, or my granddad would 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 detest this contract. But um, but this is a guy who's probably worth every penny. Jeff, uh, switching sports here to college basketball on Saturday, the Crimson Tide played in Toronto, Canada, facing number four, Purdue. And uh, Alabama had a chance to win this thing all the way to the end, ended up losing the game 92-86, to which dropped uh, Alabama to 6-3 and on the season. But uh, just a quick little uh, analysis of just uh, even just the box score, Mark Sears, man, lit it up. Finished with 35 points, 8 of 16 from 3. Um, but uh, the uh, the story of the game was Purdue's big man, uh, Zach Eady, uh, and who happens to be from Toronto. He scored 35, 7 rebounds, and uh, he contributed heavily to Alabama's foul issue. Uh, uh, issues with uh, two of Alabama's big men fouling out. And afterwards, Nate Oates says, I've never seen anything like him. And uh, I think there are a lot of people who believe Purdue may very well win the national championship. But just uh, how did you think Alabama acquitted themselves? And were you as impressed with Purdue's big man as I was? Well, I was incredibly impressed, and I thought Alabama acquitted themselves very well. I mean, they shot the ball really well in the first half. Mark Sears is, you know, the star of this team so far. I know it's only December 10th, but um, but he is just, you know, playing fantastic basketball. And, you know, we talked about this on The Zone last night. Would this game have been different had Charles Bediaco not gone to the NBA? Because that's the way, you know, they yeah. pitched the game, you know, to Alabama was – this is going to be two seven-footers coming home, going against each other, you know, in a uh, in just a, a big battle between two seven-footers. But you know, Bediaco, um, you know, decided he was going to go to the NBA. And what Doug said last night, which was really hilarious, was that the only thing that would have been different had Bediaco played is that three guys would have fouled out, you know, before the game, <laughs> you know, because Edie is just. He's a beast. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're nine foot four. If you don't have guys on the outside who can knock down shots, 
you could be 12 foot four and it wouldn't make a difference. But he is such a great passer who knows where his guys are on the floor that when they collapse on him, you know, he, he knocks it out to those shooters. And, uh, and I think number three just roasted Alabama on Saturday. And then <clears throat> here's another thing. You can't foul him because it's not like Hackershack because this guy makes free throws. Uh, he, he was 11 of 11 from the line. So he is just, uh, he's an incredible center and, and really, I mean, just a lot of, a lot of fun to watch. Like if, like if, if you were a big, big Alabama fan, it drove you crazy how well he was playing. But if you were just, uh, like, you know, didn't have a, a dog in the fight, then you really appreciated the way he played Saturday. Indeed. Let's just keep jumping around to really hot topics here on this Monday. Our guest is ABC 3340 Sports Director Jeff Spiegel. What did you think about the Heisman? Uh, I think towards the very end, it really, really looked like LSU's quarterback was going to win. I don't know if we knew it was going to be that much. Well, he he was so terrific this year. And, and someone told me after the Alabama game, even though Dallas Turner knocked him out of the game, that that was probably his Heisman moment because his first half was just off the charts. And then against Florida, he just, you know, he upped the ante, you know, a little bit. And then, you know, once it was determined that, um, you know, LSU had no shot, you know, to win the division or, uh, you know, to just uh, to compete, you know, for a league title, well, Brian Kelly was just going to, you know, keep him in there, run up the stats, man. And, uh, And he did. He led the country in, like, so many stats. And it's just, uh, he just had one of those unbelievable years, and there was no way he was not going to win. I, I was most disappointed in the vote uh, of of Penix being second and Bo being third. I thought it should have been the other way around, and I get it. And, and people who know me know that I love Bo Nix and that family. So bias has nothing to do with this here. But I get the fact that Penix got the nod to be second. Because in head-to-head matchups, he beat Bo and the Ducks twice. So, I mean, I get the fact that he's second. But if you take the overall body of work, I think Bo should have been the runner-up. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I, I thought Bo could surprise and perhaps uh, uh, win in, in a very close vote. And I believe the vote between Penix uh, and the LSU quarter at Daniels was the closest in, I don't know, about five, six years. Um, and I thought the speech was pretty nice. I thought I thought he did a, a, a nice job. But, but man, that I, I've actually, I, I've covered a couple of those Heisman ceremonies. Those things just go on forever and ever and <laughs> ever. And it's, I don't know. Have, Jeff, have you ever gone up there to uh, co- like Mark Ingram when he won or Derek Henry or Bryce Young? I have not. We've had we've had a couple of guys go up there uh, for those ceremonies, and they say the same thing. It's just it's really really hard to cover, especially if you're in TV and you're trying to beat a deadline. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really really difficult. Uh, but at the same time, you know, unforgettable experiences. I mean, you're there in the Big Apple, you're in New York, and and it's uh, and it, it's just it's just fantastic atmosphere, but. It really is a hard event to cover uh, from a TV standpoint anyway. You know what's really, really tough is uh, on TV and in its length. Uh, it used to be in New York. 
is the NASCAR end of the season banquet. Oh, Whoa. They start handing out the West uh, West America NASCAR open wheel division at 5 o'clock, and you don't get out of there till 11 o'clock. The only thing that probably makes it a little bit more tolerable is the fact that it's at, it was at the Waldorf. So you were getting this wonderful meal in the process, and they weren't shy about bringing wine to the no, table. No, so. I, I was just going to say that. They never stopped serving wine. You, you, you start drinking at 5, yeah. and at 11, to, it's done. It's just like, try to do a live shot at 10.30 after that. Um, especially yeah, but when all of it make is Greg Screws. You know how that goes, Jeff. Yeah, but all of a sudden, deadline pressure means nothing. Yeah, you right. know. Yeah. Uh, uh, tripod? We don't need a tripod. <laughs> <laughs> I love hey, it. Okay. Jeff, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts about, uh, and this is something that Matt alluded to at the top of the show, about Florida State fans just still absolutely irate about not getting in and and uh, uh, into the college football playoffs and Boy, they are really going after Kirk Herbstreet as if it's all Kirk Herbstreet's fault because, uh, you know, Kirk advocated for Alabama to make it in. But just uh, your, your your thoughts again on the Alabama or excuse me, on the Florida State fan base. Well, I mean, uh, my, my thought, my, my thought about this is you got to move on. I mean, you got to move on. I mean, you know, if nothing you say nothing you do is going to reverse the process in fact in fact if you keep this up it might affect your ability to get in when it's closed in future years even though there's going to be a 12 team playoff what if you're florida state and you're like on the 13 line or the 14 line and you feel like you need to be on the 12 line well all people are going to remember is how much you whined about not getting in, even though you weren't one of the four best teams, and you know you weren't one of the four best teams, uh, even though your body of work, you know, was an undefeated record. You know in your heart, when you put your tape side-by-side against Alabama and Texas, you weren't one of the four best teams. But yet you're continually whining about it weeks and weeks. And this is going to keep going all the way through January 8th. And and what Alabama needs to do is win two games and win this thing and shut everybody up. The worst thing that could happen for Alabama would be to go to the Rose Bowl and lay an egg. If they do that, you're not going to hear the end of this. It's going to be going on until January 20, you know, 33. So, you know, you just, uh, you know what I mean? Great point, Jeff. Yeah, that is a great point. You you know, Matt and and Jeff, uh, Bill Hancock, the longtime director of the college football playoffs, he was asked about, you know, his thoughts and he reminded everyone it's not the four most deserving teams, it's the four best teams. Right. And yes, you got to factor in injuries. I mean, that's yep. that's right there in writing. Exactly. Good point on both parts. Hey, Jeff, you'll be hanging around, right? Can you go through a break? Absolutely. Here? Yes. 
All right. Jeff Spiegel, ABC 3340. More. I want to ask you more about uh, where Alabama is in position and where we're going from here when we get back on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. SEC Sports, like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We've got, uh, as our guest, ABC 3340's own Jeff Spiegel. Just way off the uh, beaten path here. Do you see these pictures of Nick Saban showing off his Ferrari? I just did. That's why I decided to bring it up. But Drake Patrick um, is, yeah. of course, we all know who his daddy was, All-American uh-huh. in Alabama. He's showing off the car to Dre, but not driving it because it's not Wednesday. Right. <clears throat> right. Man. He drives it Wednesday unless it's raining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I had a Ferrari, I'd drive it eight days a week. Yes. Me too. I'd be picking up hitchhikers. Oh. No, probably not that. <laughs> um, I would be tooling that baby around everywhere. All right. That just crossed over my screen as we were talking here. Um, did you see Patrick Mahomes last night in Sunday Night Football? Wow. He was he, he lost it. I've never seen him react that way. Me either. It was crazy. Um, he thought Von Miller was in the uh he thought Von Miller was offside. And um and you know, and I think also there was some carryover from the fact that that uh, that terrific play where uh, Kelsey, you know, did the old Frank Wycheck tribute throwback, you know, the lateral thing, um, that that was waved off. But, um, you know, it was clear that his guy was lined up in the neutral zone. But, uh, yeah, he, his reaction was just, wow. I mean, it, it was over the top. He was just – and then – and he didn't waste any words in the, in the post-game press conference either. So, you know, he's going to get fined. Of course, you know, he makes a lot of money, not Shohei money, but he makes about $450 million. His, con- his latest contract, I think, was four fifty. So uh, he'll be able to afford it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things going on there. Uh, Kadarius Toney uh, clearly lined up offsides. Sure. And not only that, you can see he's he's looking right down the line of scrimmage, and his his left foot, I believe it's his left foot, is uh, in the neutral zone. And uh, as the referee explained afterwards, it was egregious. Now there is sort of a gentleman's agreement 
that uh, a referee will warn a coach about a wide receiver lining up to too uh, close to the neutral zone or in the neutral zone. And sometimes if it's just, say, a hand that's in the neutral zone, uh, which actually it, it, it extends up, right, in this invisible sort of uh, line, um, that would be offsides, but they'll, they'll typically let it go. And I think this year it's only been called maybe three or four times all season, but this was pretty egregious. And um, and I, I, and and then you know the 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 throw to Kelsey, Kelsey's uh, uh, lateral all the way across the field, and, and you got to remember that Kelsey was a quarterback in high school. Um, it really would have been like uh, one of the maybe the play of the decade, the play of the last ten years, um, because given the stakes and and the moment, but the fact that Patrick Mahomes absolutely just lost it, that reveals something deeper to me. Mm. It does, I, I because this Kansas City team is. Is is riddled with imperfection. Uh, they've had offensive line issues all year. They don't have uh, an elite wide receiver, and and it, they just uh, ha- have just been a little off. And the week before, Kadarius Tony, he made another sort of boneheaded move where he got uh, called for it. He wasn't fully set. Uh, in in a in a play that ended up being very successful for Kansas City, and then you go back to the very first game of the year, Kadarius Tony against uh, what was it the Detroit Lions? Uh, he dropped about twenty three passes, <laughs> and 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 look, Kadarius Tony's a great talent. He's a oh, great yeah. talent. But uh, but uh, to me, there, there's just something more going on. It wasn't just that play that caused Mahomes to lose his mind. And it's rare to see an elite athlete, especially at the quarterback position, to ever do that. And I got to bring up Joe Burrow. Matt took 37 minutes. Joe Burrow never, never in a million years would have lost his, his cool like that. Neither would a Tom Brady, neither would have a Peyton Manning. It was just really odd. Wouldn't you have said that about Mahomes before last night? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's why it's so odd. It's, yeah, it's exactly. so out of character. I mean, Jeff, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it just it just totally, you know, stunned me, you know, later when I saw the reaction. The game was ending as we were taping the zone. but And, um, and listen, I, I want to make this clear. You know, if this gets back to my daughter, who is a huge, huge fan of you-know-who, let me just say clearly that this is only a joke, but it's Taylor Swift's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I mean, I say that jokingly, but listen, that don't you think that is a major, major distraction potentially? Well, also, the way that Taylor Swift was embracing that dude in the in the box, I'm like, wait a minute, who's Taylor Swift's boyfriend? Is it Kelsey or is it the guy power. in the box? No. <laughs> oh, they were rather no. close. You're right. I mean, just, uh, no, no, they were very close. Like, 
Listen, this happens. This happens with teams who win a lot. Most of the time, the 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 thing that unravels them it, it comes from within. You know, there's 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 something. There's some stuff going on. Some stuff maybe we don't even we don't even know about. But and and the and the Mahomes thing. It's it's like a volcano. You know, maybe it was time for him to erupt because uh, not only uh, uh, because of what happened on the field, but maybe some off the field stuff that maybe we don't even know about. So uh, you're right. I mean, there's there's something underneath this. There's something behind this that maybe you know we don't know. There's some frustration there. Uh, but but the, but the quarterback man, he he's got to be better. Well, he's got to be. Better. He's got to keep a level head. Like, give me a break, Kansas City Chiefs. All right, why did you win the Super Bowl last year? It's because of a BS flag that was thrown on a DB. Oh, here we go. No, I'm serious. No, no I'm, I'm yeah. serious. I, hey, I'm, I, I'm no Chiefs apologist. I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't hate the Chiefs. I'm just saying it was a very controversial flag late in the game on a, the uh, corner, Bradbury. Uh, Bradbury, yeah, who was guarding yeah. Smith Schuster, and it, and it resulted automatic first down and meant the Chiefs could run out the clock. And it was the first defensive holding call of the game for both teams, and the ref throws it at the most incredible time. Yeah. Well, you know, so yeah. as far as unloading on quarterbacks, Philadelphia is doing the same thing to Hurts. It's unbelievable. Some of their fans are griping and saying they got to replace him. Are you on, kidding man. me? Wow, yeah, that's a really that's a come on man. That's a come on yeah. man moment for sure. Mm. Who do you, Jeff? Let's just stick in the NFL. Who, sure. Who's your favorite to make it to? Uh, or let's just say, who, who do you think the two best teams are, both one in the AFC, one in the NFC right now? Well, gosh, I think with the NFC, I think you, I mean, you got to go with the 49ers, right? I mean, man, I mean, uh, I mean, they're just, they're just so good. They're so good right now. And um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I hang around Ryan Brown a lot, but um, I'm, I'm I'm starting to fall in love with the Dolphins a little bit, you know, and um, I kind of I kind of like to see them, you know, get in there when they're on. When they're on, they are really, 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 really good. I kind of like the Ravens. I like the Ravens too. Yep, I, I do too. I mean, you, that quarterback's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh... all right. Um, what about? Uh... Your station, your plans. What are y'all going to do in coverage of? Uh, are you going to Pasadena? There, Speaks. You know, I am not going to Pasadena. Johnny Condon and Chris McCulley are going to be going to Pasadena, and um, and so you know, I'll be here, kind of, you know, running, uh, minding the store, and uh, and making sure uh, everyone here uh, behaves. Uh, Jamie Hale is going to be going to Nashville uh, to cover the Music City Bowl. Right. So you know, I'll be the I'll be the guy in the uh, in, in the comfortable studio, you know, pitching to people. And you know, should Alabama win, uh, I'm sure they're uh, they're going to ship me off to Houston uh, for that game. And I tell you what, I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for an Alabama Texas rematch. I really am. Indeed, I'm, I'm rooting yeah. hard for that. I think that would be a spectacular championship game. 
And uh, and while Alabama would come in with such a big chip on their shoulder in that game, and uh, Texas would come in feeling like, hey, dude, we beat you once. We can beat you again. And we're playing in Houston. So uh, I think it's got the potential to be a great championship game. Jeff, what are your early thoughts on Alabama, Michigan, and, and how you think, uh, especially – on the defensive side of the ball for Alabama. You know Michigan is going to try to be physical, and mm-hmm. they are going to try to just jam the ball down uh, Alabama's throat and then you know uh, do the play-action game uh, with their quarterback, McCarthy. But, uh, yeah, it's your thoughts on just the, that and then also just the overall matchup. Well, it kind of reminds me, Michigan kind of reminds me of a New Mexico State team, except at a, at a much, much higher level. I mean, their their plan of attack is, you know, they're, they're not going to throw like 70-yard bombs and beat you that way. I mean, they're just going to just plow over you and have these long drives. So if you're Alabama, you don't want to get down by two touchdowns to these guys because coming back against Michigan is going to be like a big, big, big uphill climb so you know alabama's got to you know establish control and and um you know follow the uh follow the game plan that you know that that george followed man just get ahead and just and pull away you know and and match their physicality which i think alabama can do i think if alabama goes in and plays alabama football michigan goes in and plays michigan football i think alabama wins that thing by two touchdowns going to be interesting to see. Hey, tell everybody about some of the things that ABC 3340 is doing particularly. Uh, talk about your Sunday night show. Yeah, absolutely. The Zone on uh, ABC 3340 1035 on Sunday night. And uh, appreciate the plug, you guys. And thanks for being so uh, so good to me and having me on. And I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you, yeah. uh, Jeff Spiegel, who actually is a generational talent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. Oh, you guys are awesome. All right, thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. All right, see you later. All right. Hey, Lars, really interesting news uh, concerning um, an Alabama commit. Uh, we'll share that with you on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Many of our segments are being brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very cool afternoon with sunshine and full supply. The high today, 51. A freeze late tonight, clear with a low at 29. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 55 and 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. 
This is Big Noon Sports. Is Big Noon Sports. It's Matt, Lars, Noah. Next hour, we'll go to Baltimore, Maryland and talk with our NFL guy. That's Bruce Cunningham, who spent a lot of time in Birmingham. Let's see, Huntsville and Mobile before returning to his home state. He's a very popular, now retired television sports caster. All right, Ryan Williams, we've all heard about him. He originally committed to Alabama. Get this, Lars, October 8th of 2022. You're talking about a guy that's living up to his commitment. He now wants to pull it back, so he will be eligible to be a part of the 2024 class, which means he can join Bond and Company this spring and then in the fall and then play if he's worthy. Of course, that's yet to be determined, but this is a big-time five-star wide receiver, and I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of the football finals or any of the highlights of this kid, but he is uh, he's just a big-time player, and I get the feeling he looks – follow me on this, if you will. I get the feeling he's been watching Milrow play, and he says, I want some of that. Let me get in there early. I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think you are absolutely uh, spot on here that um, he knows that uh, – that, um, uh, that 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 uh, excuse me my my everything just crashed right in front of me. Um, he he knows that Jalen Milrow uh, has emerged as a special player, and not only that, he's emerged as someone who uh, just absolutely excels at, at throwing the deep ball. And uh, I just think he could be extremely special as early as next year and uh and now uh, i mean you just look at his uh, uh stats from this last season um uh he caught 72 balls which is really rare for a kid in high school in one year to catch that much, that many uh, passes 1324 yards and this is what's really eye-popping 19 touchdowns 19 touchdowns playing for Sarah Land High School. And uh, he's going to be the third five-star for Alabama in this cycle, yeah. uh, joining uh, Jalen uh, Mbakaway. I think I'm getting that right. And, and Julian Sand, uh, the quarterback, uh, who's ranked uh, currently as the, the number three uh, quarterback in the in the ESPN 300. Um, so uh, now Alabama has. Uh, I mean, okay. So for the class of 2025, which Williams was initially a part of, they Alabama had two of the top three wide receivers, uh, Williams and uh, Jamie uh, French of uh, uh, Mandarin High School in Florida. And now you get Williams a year early. I think he can contribute right away in some form or fashion. Now, I, I'm trying to go back and think, and you're, you're going to have to help me out on this. Who was a true freshman wide receiver who came in and made an impact? I know Julio Jones did. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but I mean, there have been so many great ones, right? I mean. I think uh, Jerry Judy did. 
I think Judy did. I think uh, uh, um, Calvin Ridley maybe. Uh, I think. Oh, yeah. oh, Ridley definitely did as a true freshman. Um, yeah. Well, um, Devontae caught a touchdown pass to win an national championship as a freshman, didn't he? I think he was a freshman. He was yes. a freshman. So uh, um, I think personally, uh, and you know how many games I've coached and how often I've recruited, I think wide receiver is the easiest position to slide into at a young, youthful age. It, it, you know, uh, I, did, I didn't realize this, but uh, Jermaine Burton, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a friend of mine told me that he has one more year of eligibility. I think your friend is right. Because of the COVID year. Is yep. there any way Burton comes back? Um, you know what that depends on? Three years ago, this never would have entered my mind. That might depend heavily on his NIL. I yeah. mean, isn't that why uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is considering uh, not going to the uh, NFL yeah. draft? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're making a couple of million, hey, I want to win a national championship. Or in Burton's case, if Alabama were to win this year, um, I bet the list is very short on Who, players that have won national championships for in, two different programs. In your mind, who is the number one receiver at Alabama right now? Is it Isaiah Bond or is yeah, it uh, I, Jermaine Burton? Well, I, I, it's 1A and 1 or 1 and 1A, however you would say it. Um, it kind of is, to a certain extent, play-specific, but I think maybe in a lot of ways Bond has become more versatile uh, to be able to catch the short pass and make it long over the middle and the deep ball. Um, Burton's a threat when he, when, when uh, Jalen Milrow wants to crank it up, though, for sure. Yeah, and uh, th th it's just really exciting that, that uh, Williams decided to... Uh, to reclassify and yeah uh he has a chance i think to really make a, an immediate impact another true freshman i think and this is just from memory so could be wrong didn't amari cooper come in and 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 do pretty well as a true freshman i think you know wide receiver is one of is those one of those positions where if you are sort of physically developed and you're willing to put the time in uh, in, in getting the uh, timing down with your quarterback and really knowing the playbook, you can come in and make an impact. Just like I think you can at, at corner. And uh, I think those perhaps are the two easiest positions to come in and, and really uh, make a name for yourself at a very young age. We talked briefly about it. Kirk Herbstreet is getting absolutely hammered by Florida State fans for saying something that the committee said as well. Because he said it, now he's getting hammered. But this deal about Herbstreet, McAfee, and ESPN game day has me confused. We'll talk about it and take your calls at 205-342-9904 as we come back for the second half of Big Noon Sports. Brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage.
WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. News in the NFL. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin has ruled out quarterback Kenny Pickett for their upcoming game as he continues to recover from ankle surgery, putting Mitch Trubisky in line to start again. ESPN reports Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert is not expected to play Thursday night against the Raiders with a fractured index finger on his throwing hand. Coach Brandon Staley said Herbert is seeing a couple of specialists today. NFL media reports the league is reviewing Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's postgame comments about the call on Kadarius Toney. NFL media also reporting Packers running back Aaron Jones is not expected to play tonight against the Giants because of a knee injury. In baseball, the Dodgers have freed up a 40-man roster spot for Shohei Otani by trading reliever Victor Gonzalez and infielder Yorbeat Vivas to the Yankees for shortstop prospect Trey Sweeney. And in college basketball, Arizona maintained the top spot in this week's AP poll. They've got number three Purdue this Saturday in Indianapolis. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. I don't know if you were dialed into that report from Fox Sports, which is a new addition to the top of the hour uh, here, in, and a welcome one. But in order to make room for Shoei Otani... The Dodgers needed to free up a roster place on their 40-man roster. Well, guess what? If I heard this correctly, Lars, they didn't free up one. They freed up two, a pitcher and a day-to-day player. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you get the irony there? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, Anyway, uh, what I wanted to talk to you about is Kirk Herbstreet, first of all, Florida State fans are just hanging him. Uh, They've put him out of the draft, to use a NASCAR term. But the story that I read over the weekend that I found even more interesting was his assessment of the value of Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee hinted around on college game day that all the negativity is starting to give him pause. In other words, maybe he doesn't want to keep up, keep doing this game day stuff. It's a lot of negativity. Herb Street said, and I quote, I'm leaving with you. I am, I am, I'm dead serious. Is McAfee that big a deal? On I don't watch it much. So you, I think, keep up with Pat McAfee more than I do. But is he that big a deal that Kirk Herb Street would quit if he, if, um, if McAfee walked away? Well, um, at one, I think they're friends. And two, uh, yeah, I mean, Pat McAfee has absolutely become a sports media superstar. Um, and that is uh, reflected in the fact that his show is now on uh, ESPN Monday through Friday. And they curse all the time. And it's not even <laughs> deleted out. I mean, he is—he's uh, got like this uh, kind of like grassroots everyman appeal. And I knew Pat a little bit when he was the uh, punter for the Colts. Uh, I remember going out there and 
uh, going to Indy and doing a long story on uh, Andrew Luck and and when I was talking to different players on the team, they're like, you got to talk to McAfee. You got to talk to McAfee. That guy can talk. And so um, I went and uh, spent time with him and like, wow, this guy really gets it. I mean, he's just, uh, and not only that, I, I, I don't know if you ever, if you remember him as a, as a punter, that guy could hit, hit he, he absolutely could just crush the ball, just absolutely crush the ball. And uh, he didn't mind mixing it up. And then, uh, you know, he starts the show and uh, really with uh, no expectation. And and now he is one of the highest paid media members uh, in in our business. Um, and I, I really like him. I mean, I know he, he is definitely not everybody's cup of tea, but um, it, uh, it, he, he is my cup of tea put it that way and I, I mean I think it's presumptuous to assume that Herb Street's comments about his future at game day uh, are, direct, are uh, being directly tied to McAfee's were more than a tactic but I, I think he's very serious you know uh, I, I think he is saying yeah if he goes I, I go uh, I'm not sure what Herb Street's uh, uh, contract is or when it's up, but um, I don't think it's entirely unexpected because, um, you know, I think Herb Street really loves Pat McAfee's uh, just fearlessness. Pat McAfee doesn't care what people think of what he says. That's you know? obvious to me. No, I, but, but I really, I, I, I'm telling you, like, I, I, I really like Pat McAfee. Because there, there's this, there's too much in sports media, too often, where people are afraid of offending other people, and a certain level of uh, political correctness takes over. Where with Pat, man, he'll just tell you exactly how he feels, and he's got the credibility for it. I mean, there's a reason Aaron Rodgers only talks to one person. What Pat about McAfee. Nick Saban? Saban uses Sa him for a totally different reason. I think he uses him because he's reaching a much, much younger audience. Yeah. Uh, not all the time, but he offends me. Um, his, he just absolutely uses, just he curses too much. And that appeals to some people. And I, I am certainly no Pollyanna, okay? But I try not to throw that stuff around. And, and he does, he doesn't care. You know what? He doesn't care what Matt thinks. He doesn't care if Matt listens, watches, quotes him, or even talks about him on big noon sports. No, I, I'm he with you. Doesn't I, I, care I'm, what I think. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. Like I don't really, I don't care for that either. But what they say at the top of the show is, hey, you know, there's going to be language here. You know why? Because we talk like real people talk, and it's almost like the, you know they're just in a bar. You know, just having a, it's like really smart guys in a bar having a, a discussion. And it's, it's not just like regular dudes. It's, it's like, it's former athletes and, and, um, and in a way, I think the, uh, liberty they take with the language when they have guests on, like, uh, like Aaron Rodgers, it sort of relaxes them. 
Because it's almost like, you know, you don't have to be super careful with your diction. You don't have to worry about, you know, what you're going to say or offend anyone because everybody kind of knows what you're going to get. But I I have that uh, that old school philosophy as well, where um, you know you shouldn't you shouldn't do that uh, on certainly on television or, or radio and, and around your kids. <laughs> uh, but um, I don't know. I, I I just I respect another thing I really respect about Pat McAfee is the enthusiasm he brings. The energy to every single show. I think and, that's exactly what Kirk Herbstreet is pointing out. That yeah. he has brought this energy to game day. And I read between the lines, and actually he kind of says it, but he's changed game day. Yeah. And he's gotten Kirk Herbstreet more involved and more excited. And there's more energy in their locker room. And that's why Herbstreet's saying, if you ever decide to leave, I'm going with you because you've, he said, You've changed my experience on game day. Yeah, so, and, and he, and he said, I, 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 forgive me if uh, I, I was trying to look research this as you're talking, but Herb Street said on McAfee's show, and this is the direct quote, I'm just going to say this right now. If you dare even think of leaving college game day, I'm leaving with you. I am, I am, I'm dead serious. Yep. Dumb. So there you have it. Well, what would that leave? Reese and um, uh, I, Desmond possible. Howard? <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, I can't stand Desmond Howard. But um, because it, with Desmond Howard, he is so much of a homer to Michigan, it just makes me sick. Like, it, I'm fine with Desmond Howard talking about Michigan, but do so through an objective lens. And I know it's everybody has their bias, right? I, I do when I talk about Nebraska. You do when you talk about Alabama. But I think Kirk Herbstreet does as good a job as anyone when he is talking about Ohio State to be very fair. I mean, the reason he moved to Nashville is because Ohio State fans turned on him because they thought he was being too... Uh, critical of the Buckeyes and he didn't want his kids to go through all the crap that they had to deal with at school. So he moved and to Nashville, Tennessee. That's incredibly bad. That's just so bad. Because well, you know, it had to be really bad. That's his alma mater. That's his city. Yeah. And he leaves because of his own fans? Uh, yeah. Come on. That's a come on man moment. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I really like Herb Street, and he is well, so versatile. You know what, I'm gonna, I mean, he I'm can do the NFL get... on a Thursday night, and then he can do game day, and then he does a college game later that evening. He's uh, he is a, you know what? He's almost a generational talent. He's really <laughs> he, good. And I, I'm just impressed with his work ethic. I mean, yes. that guy works his tail off. You know how much prep it goes into just doing the doing an NFL game one time a week. But you throw in game day and another college game, and he's good at all of them. It's not like he's well, slighting. Well, when you you're know, doing, when you were doing uh, uh, college football games on radio, how much prep would go into a single game? Oh man, you know it varied because if once you got into the season, 
you know, you were more comfortable with the lineup and the numbers and you didn't have to do a lot of repeat, you know, memory to make sure you've got, <clears throat> in the case of college football now, you know who both number twos are. Yeah? Yeah. But um, it was uh, like two or three hours per hour on air. Ten hours would be a minimum just for a game. Yeah. And, and he's really, doing... collectively, you're doing it all the time in your head anyway. So sometimes you're not staring at charts and statistics and the other team, the other coaches' records. You're just thinking about it windshield time. And and what also what amazes me, you know, let's say he does game day in Tuscaloosa, and then later that night he's calling a game in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> That's a special jet for that. He, oh, he yeah, of course. Uh, it, it's a special jet, but it, nonetheless, it's air travel, you know, and it's yeah. time change, and it's it, it, it's hard. It's hard. Hey, uh, let's talk some National Football League. Bruce Cunningham will be our guest as we continue here on the Monday edition of Big Noon Sports. Jingle Bells Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very cool afternoon with sunshine and full supply. The high today, 51. A freeze late tonight, clear with a low at 29. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 55 and 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Brought to you in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. Joining us is Bruce Cunningham, who does drop in from time to time, whether we need to talk about the Orioles, the Ravens, all things in the National Football League. Bruce, you doing all right? I know you are you really have embraced the retirement role, hadn't you? Oh, I'm telling you. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I Embrace is a, is a weak word. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, <clears throat> I enjoy the nothingness of it, you know, and I didn't think I would because I was always so busy. I think in 2013, I had seven W-2s. That's how much I was working, you know, and, and uh, I, this really appeals to me. I'm in bed at eight thirty. I'm up at four. It's great. <laughs> Good. For, wow. So, are you taking yeah. in those early bird specials at four thirty in the afternoon at the local diner? Uh, maybe. I, I won't rule that out. <laughs> hey, Bruce. Uh, before we get into the topics at hand here, Lars and I were just talking about Pat McAfee and his impact on sports media. You no. a fan or not? No, I'm not. I'm more of a traditionalist, Matt. You know, it's the way you and me came up. You know, that, that's yep. what I like. And it seems that that's disappearing more and more. But I think it's a natural order of things. I don't think it's aimed at people like us. I think it's aimed at younger people. And obviously, they respond to him. So uh, there's, a, there's a place for him. I just couldn't do it. I wouldn't even try to do it, you know, because we weren't trained that way, were we? Bruce, let's uh, get into... Baltimore's win in overtime yesterday against yeah. uh, the Rams. Um, this Baltimore team just seems different, and it seems like Lamar Jackson is playing at probably the highest level of his career. Would you agree? And 
And, uh, and, and is Mark Andrews done for the year or are they expecting him back? I, I should have looked that up before I asked you this question. Well, uh, John Harbaugh says uh, that there's a chance he'll be back, but I don't think he's coming back. Uh, I think he's out for the year. And, you know, you've already signed him long term. And, and while they do feel like they could make a Super Bowl run, you still have to think about the future. And they like the kid they have likely out of Coastal Carolina. They like him a lot. And he's, he caught a touchdown yesterday. But as far as this team being different, <clears throat> I know you're a Bengals fan. So here's the one thing I want you to realize about this team. They have added Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers. Uh, and those those guys are very, very effective. And uh, it's really made Lamar a lot better. Uh, he's not running as much. You know, he can still scramble like nobody ever before. But, I mean, he they added those two weapons for him. And, uh, and it was Katie bar the door. This is a very resilient team, too. Uh, that game yesterday, it, it's an absolute seesaw, back and forth, and it was cold and it was rainy. And Lamar hit Zay Flowers with like a minute left. What? what just, wait, by the way, could, that may have been one of the best throws of the entire season. Would, oh, would yeah. you agree? Yeah, he, he can he can really zing it. His, his, uh, he's not real good on the deep ball. You know, he had two long touchdowns yesterday, but... He missed a lot of those, too. But anything from, like, uh, three-quarters of the way out up to the line of scrimmage, he's deadly. I mean, I think uh, they, they, one of the Ravens receivers told me one time that his ball actually hums. You can actually hear it, you know, rip it through the air. And uh, he, can, he can make all the throws, you know. And uh, there's a lot of optimism about this team. Now, what you need to know about the Ravens is this stretch they got coming up. They got Jacksonville next Sunday night. They got the uh, 49ers, and then they got Miami. Uh, three three games in a row like that, and then they close out with Pittsburgh. But I'm just saying, that's got to be the toughest three-game run in, in, that anybody's got left in the NFL. So we'll find out about this game, you know. What, what did you think about Patrick Mahomes? Uh, uh, nice game. You know, I played the game. You know, I understand the emotions that are involved, and and he really hated that call. You know, he's he's also got to remember that he's Patrick Mahomes, and, and when he speaks, his words carry weight. I think he, uh, I think it was a little bit excessive, and I think he should have known better. He can't claim that he's not media savvy, can he? He's doing commercials for literally every company in America. You know, <laughs> but uh, you got to learn some self control. Uh, yeah, maybe you got screwed on that call, and maybe everybody saw it. But you know, to add your voice to it like that, I don't think it's helpful at all. And I guarantee you, Andy Reid had the same talk with him today. Everybody's been dancing to Mahomes' tune the last couple of years. You know, he's he's been the guy. Uh, there's a responsibility that comes with that. You know, and, and he he needs to he, he needs to realize that he can't be saying things like that. I'll bet he never will again. I bet he'll learn the lesson from it, but. You know, you got to be aware of, of who you are and, uh, and and what it is you're saying and what you're suggesting. And it, you know, he, he should have known better without giving you a whole big bowl of word salad. He should have known a lot well, better. Uh, you know, I, I I don't remember if it was Mahomes or if it was Andy Reid, but one of them said, "Well, he was just a little bit offsides." Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> offsides is offsides. <laughs> that sounds like Andy. Andy's pretty funny. You know. Uh, uh, also, Andy was complaining after the game that the referees didn't warn him that they were lined up that way. Well, it's that's not the referee's job. You know, it's also yeah. on an inside slot. You know, yeah. it's not like well, you can you, yell at him through two players. 
Now turn and turn and ask the referee. You know, if it's too close, it's a shame a game has to turn on a call like that. But you know, it, I'm sure in Buffalo they're thrilled. You know how big that win was for Buffalo after what they've been going through. So you know, I, I, there's two ways to look at that. And then with the Ravens yesterday, the Rams. That's a long flight. You know how how grim do you think that flight back to L.A. was for them yesterday? Losing that game in overtime on a punt return by the backup punt returner. See, this is the thing about the Ravens that just amazes me. Uh, The the whole everybody on the roster can kill you one way or the other. You know, who would have thought of all people, Taylor Wallace would have been the star of that game yesterday? You know. Should we talk about the block in the back on that return or not? Yeah, they. You know what? They (laughs) there was a clear block in the back, but you know what? I also know if they don't throw the flag, then it didn't happen, right? You're 100% right. You're 100% right. And and just to, to wrap a bow on this Kansas City thing, for them to be bitching about a, a flag, I mean, when oh, yeah. a flag caused them to win the Super Bowl, yeah. give me a break. <laughs> I got no response to that. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, of all teams to be complaining about calls, you know, the Kansas City's gotten a lot of calls in recent years. Believe me. Seems like um, the Ravens were playing them every year there for about three or four years. Good Lord, it's hard to beat that team, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask you just kind of a – I want to stay in the NFL, but ask yeah. you just kind of on the on the other side of, of Chiefs and, and Ravens, who's been the biggest disappointment this year for you? Uh, I expected a lot more from the Giants, you know? I really did. I, I thought they really had something going up there. I also expected a little bit more from uh, yeah, Minnesota, you know, but they had a quarterback go, go down. I thought those two teams are going to be a lot better than they were, especially the Giants. I thought Washington was going to be better than they were. You know, you look at that uh, NFC East last year and everybody was competitive, you know, and now it's, it's basically a two-horse race, and it looks like it's a race that Dallas has won. Uh, I mean, they really they, – and then the Eagles, they've just gotten their block knocked off two weeks in a row. And, and everybody in the league's kind of looking around with that cartoon question mark above their head, like, what is going on here? Uh, I don't know what's going on with the Eagles, but they, they better get it straightened out because this is not a good time of year to be to be faltering, you know? And is it just a freak thing that there have been so many quarterbacks who have been yeah. hurt and are out for the year? Look, the rules are written to protect them. It's just coincidence. It is a freak thing. I think it's a purely coincidence. I tell you one thing though: I'm getting a kick out of Joe Flacco. <laughs> you know, where the heck did this come from? I mean, well, you he, know, we're talking about quarterbacks going down. For... <laughs> thought, uh, you know, and, and what did he throw? Three touchdowns yesterday. Yeah. He, I, he, he you looked covered like, all uh, of his years in the NFL, didn't no, you? No, he looked like Joe Flacco of the contract year when the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he looked like that. And if he's playing that way, you know, the Browns are pretty good. They got a great defense, you know. Uh, if hot, Flacco can get hot, there's no reason why they can't make a run here. You mentioned uh, the Giants. Fun. But, yeah. If they play the Packers tonight. What do you think about Jordan Love and have the Packers – uh, you know, they're kind of on a little bit of a roll right now, aren't they? Well, you know, we heard about Jordan Love, didn't we? And, it, you know, yeah. the funny thing about that is we also heard about Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre was still playing there. Remember how, oh, we got to get Rodgers on the field. we got to figure it out. And finally, they just got rid of Favre and let Rodgers play. Could be the same situation. Because everybody, all the scouts were high on that kid. Everybody thinks he can play. 
and it looks like it's it's starting to come together. And and why not? I'll tell you this though, with this doubleheader tonight or this twin games tonight, I ain't watching it. <laughs> I want to see Miami. You know. Uh, yeah, that's your choice, it, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tennessee's not very good, but I want to see Miami. We got them coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, so I want to see. Uh, Miami's got to come in here in a couple of weeks, and you don't want to be in Baltimore in December. You know, it's a night game too, so I mean, you could be looking Especially at temperatures in the twenties. That could be an equalizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more than an equalizer. They can sure push the ball, Bruce. You're retired. Can you stay another segment, please? I'm not. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> hey, I got it. We got to talk about Shoei Atani and others. You're listening yeah. to Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Bruce Cunningham. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Our Big Noon Sports coming up. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's coming up right now. You know how your phones read into what you don't normally type into? What does this say uh, about what I text, Bruce? I typed in your name, and it auto-corrected to Bryce. <laughs> that happens all the time. It's annoying, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, but I check mine. I don't send it. Um, <laughs> a lot of people blame auto-correct. Well, you know what? You auto-correct it. <laughs> you don't have to hit send. All right, this is one of my pet peeves, but I'm not going into that. I want to, you to tell me if the price the Dodgers are paying for Shohei Otani is worth it. How good is this guy? Nah, he's he's great. I mean, he's we've never seen anybody like him since Babe Ruth. You know, they can they can you know hit the, ball, the long ball and also win 20 games. I mean, that that's astonishing that he's able to do that. I think the contract, you know, it's it's outrageous, you know, but every time there's a new baseball contract, it's outrageous. I saw figures yesterday. Now, granted, the Orioles are a young team. They won 101 games last year. Their payroll was $60 million. Otani's going to make $77 million this year. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's crazy. At some point, I don't know where it ends. I, I, I'll tell you this. I went through a, a, a ticket broker. To get two tickets for the playoffs, the, the, uh, the American League playoffs, and uh, it cost me seven hundred dollars. So that's where this money's coming from. It's coming out of the Joe fans' pocket, and I guess the Dodgers are gambling that he's already built up a following with the Angels, and maybe it's money well spent. But you know, at some point, it just gets to be too much. I remember this is a while back. You guys might remember this too, but uh, the Penguins. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins own Mario Lemieux so much money that they just gave him the team, <laughs> you know. And he he was the owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins for a while. He may still be. I don't know. I haven't checked on it. But uh, it, you're going to get to that point. But then again, baseball. It, it and we we discussed this briefly yesterday, man. Baseball's got a problem, and it's an ongoing problem that's gone on since free agency started, and that's the haves versus the have-nots. So. Uh, what you got is, is a group of about four or five teams that can afford to pay whatever the market, uh, you know, will bear, and and it just it's ridiculous. Uh, it, it, it it's unfair, and so what it forces teams to do is like the Tampa Bay Rays and like the Orioles have done is just just you know uh, draft well and develop talent, and then when they reach free agency, you got to wave goodbye, and, and it's it's sad, but that's just the way it works. And so the Dodgers are one of the haves. And uh, they they were able to spend that money for Otani. 
uh, I, I, we'll see whether it was money well spent or not. They're already pretty good, but now you look at their lineup and, and it's it's scary. Uh, so we'll see. But that that kind of money is is outrageous. It really is. But then again, I remember when Pete Rose signed with the Phillies for three million, and we were all going around saying that was outrageous. You know, so I don't know where it's going, but it's it's not going to a good place. I promise you that. Uh, Bruce, these uh, two questions I have for you might seem a little far afield, but you've had uh, a long, very distinguished career. So, number one, what's the greatest sporting event you have personally covered? And two, who's the most compelling athlete not necessarily the best, but the the most compelling athlete that you have personally covered. All right, the first one, the Super Bowl is pretty much the, the the middle of the dartboard. You know, I mean, it's pretty hard to top that. I did get to go to two Final Fours with Maryland, and, and that that there's nothing like that. It would probably be a toss up between those two, uh, just for the, the the magnitude of the event. Uh, now, and unfortunately, as Matt will tell you, my years in Alabama, there was, you know, there weren't a lot of championship games during that time. So I had to wait to experience it, but it would be those two. As far as a compelling athlete, that's a really good question because there, there've been a lot of them. Uh, I, I think, uh, uh, Chris Davis, the Oriole first baseman, he had three years in a row with 45 plus home runs. And then all of a sudden he just quits hitting and just, just to watch him go through that struggle. You know, and 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 to watch him, uh, how he conducted himself, and and how he tried to keep himself uh, alert and you know uh, upbeat. It, it, that was that was a hard thing to watch, and it ended up not working. I mean, he ended up just quitting, going home. Uh, the Orioles have to pay him for another, I don't know, sixty years or something. But he, he he finally just gave up. But just the human side of that, you know, just just to watch that inner turmoil eating that guy alive. And uh, every time he went up to the plate, it seemed like he looked worse than the time before. And it was just just a hard thing to watch. And on top of it all, he was a really nice guy, you know. The other one I need to mention here, and you won't want to hear this, Mr. Bengals, is Ray Lewis. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I, I, well, I, I go back, to, it, I go back signed, to Atlanta. When but, he gets that second contract, you know, and, and he finally signs and everything's going his way. He goes to Atlanta, he rents a limo, loads it up with people, including some folks he doesn't know, and all that happened. Uh, and Ray got blood on his suit, panicked, threw it in the garbage, and that's what they got him on for obstruction of justice. Uh, uh, he is the, he, 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 he's the solid earth. He, he's one of the finest people I've ever been around. I would let Ray Lewis raise my kids. I'm serious. And just to watch him have to overcome that at such a young age, that that was really compelling as well. You know? What what do you think about the talk from the winter meetings about making the baseball larger? Yeah, Matt, they want home runs. You know, home runs make the turnstile spin. Uh, and, and, and baseball knows it's losing ground. It, baseball's tired of getting its butt kicked by the NFL and now by the NBA also. The NBA is far more popular than Major League Baseball. So they're always going to try to figure out ways to have home runs. The bigger ball uh, will lead to more home runs. You remember Rafael Palmero, right? Sure. Mississippi State guy. I asked him one time, I said, you know, when you're really hitting, I said, does the ball slow down or does the ball get bigger? And he said, the ball gets bigger. You know, and, and that's what this is going to lead to, I'm afraid. 
I do like the changes they made last year, though. The pitch clock I ended up too. being a pretty good idea. Uh, I didn't mind it at all, and I hated the shift. So I, I was glad they did away with that. Um, the bigger ball, it's like I said, if you like 11 to 8 games, <laughs> you're going to love that bigger baseball. But hey, that's you what they want. You know what I think you're you're going to see an increase of too? What foul balls? Oh yeah, there will be more foul balls hit, and that'll be great for the little kids running around the stands. So yeah, yeah, they, they're the only winners there. That's for sure. You know, but uh, baseball's going to do what baseball feels like it needs to do. Um, the thing about baseball that's not going to change though is the, the slow nature of the game. You know, people are used to the NFL or, or NBA, you know, where there's a lot of movement and a lot of action and all that. Baseball's just not that way. Uh, so it's a little bit tougher sell, especially to younger fans. But they're going to they're gonna try to do what whatever they can do, you know. I'll tell you one thing. If they're, if they're talking about expansion, they're out of their minds. I, I, I just don't see it yet. You don't have 30 healthy teams now, you know, and you're going to add a couple. I, I don't know that that is the best idea I've heard either. But, you know, problem with baseball is if you take Nashville out of the equation, there's really no place for baseball to go. Uh, the Minnesota Twins, when they were trying to get their new stadium built, they approached Charlotte. And I remember this well. Charlotte said to the Twins, I'm not interested. You know, we're not interested. And, and just kind of slammed the door on them, which really hurt Charlotte. But if you think about it, those are really the only two cities without a team that could, that could support one. You know? So we'll see. Okay, Bruce, since we're hopscotching around sports, let's go to college football. <laughs> yeah. uh, did the college football playoff committee get it right? Did uh, Alabama deserve to get in over Florida State? Yes, yes. Um, you take into consideration, I got such a big kick out of watching Alabama this year because, you know, the season in the beginning, it, it didn't, it, Alabama's not used to struggling like that in recent years. And you talk about a statement. You know, you got the two-time defending champions in the SEC uh, championship, and they smacked them, you know? And that really impressed me about this Alabama team. Uh, Florida State, I understand that they're upset, you know? But here's what you can do, Florida State. Beat Georgia in the Orange Bowl, <laughs> you know? And then you've made your point, right? I'm so glad they're expanding this thing because as of next year, this won't be a problem. What I would like to ultimately see is have that championship game on the Saturday night before the Super Bowl. That is a that is a wasteland. That is barren. That's a desert that night, you know, and you could put a giant audience together. What they could do is set it up for the night before the Super Bowl and then, you know, back it up and start as whenever you need to start to make it culminate that way. That's my modest proposal. I would love to see it. Having said that, I think whenever you play it, it's going to get a huge audience. But I really like that Saturday night before the Super Bowl. I think that would be awesome. You know, I understand Florida State, um, but I also covered the ACC, you know, and I covered the SEC. And I know the difference between the two. And perhaps undefeated in the ACC isn't as big a deal as maybe Florida State thinks it is. Just Always good stuff with you, Bruce. Appreciate it very, very, very Hey, much. I told and you. By the way, you yeah. said retire. Don't you still do a Saturday show? I do. I do Saturdays noon to 3 on WJZ-FM. It's 105.7 The Fan here in Baltimore. And uh, I'm going to be calling you because we're going to talk some college football playoffs because you owe me a couple, you know? Oh, I owe you more than that. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. A friend of mine, Brent Harris, his, uh, his daughter is a freshman in Alabama. 
and they 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 drove down in August and uh, and uh, you know to get her set up and everything. And he heard me on the radio. <laughs> he said his mind on, almost snapped on he our show. His, yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the power of that little black box. It oh, continues. I'm telling you. All right. Well, uh, sure. Anytime. I do owe you a few. And uh, if you yeah, ever get down south. And, and yeah. we're good pals, and I think it comes across yeah. that way. So I always spend, oh, yeah. enjoy spending the time with you. It's been, Bruce, it's been almost 40 years. I know it has. Does that help? No. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> uh, hey, thank you, Bruce Cunningham. Yeah, All right, man. You, we'll talk soon. Bruce, All please right, don't David. hold it against me that I'm a Bengals guy. No, okay. I don't. I, I, you know what? I kind of respect <laughs> I kind of respect what the Bengals have been doing, you know, with the backup quarterback and all. And now, you know, the, the joke around here is, you know, the, the Browns called on Flacco. I bet Kyle Bowler's still in shape. Maybe the Bengals should call him. You know? <laughs> well, among Bengals fans, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're saying that uh, Jake Browning is going to Tom Brady, uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow, uh, which is crazy. But, uh, no, but Jake Browning, I, I, I just got to tell you this. After his first three starts, he has a higher completion percentage and quarterback rating after three starts than any quarterback in NFL history. Yeah, he's playing great. And it's been it's been really a boost for them. Uh, and, and, you know, the Bengals are pretty good. And, but it also shows that their system is good. You know, you lose Burrow and you're still moving the football. You know, you're still moving the chains. And, and that tells you right there that the right guy is in charge of the of the Cincinnati Bengals, you know? I'll yeah. tell you a funny story. I mentioned Bowler. That was just in jest. <clears throat> there was an old scout with the Ravens. He's getting ready to retire, and this is where Bowler was really struggling. And I pulled him aside, and I said, hey, just between us, I said, what do you think of Kyle Bowler? And he looked at me, and he said, the kid couldn't play dead in a Western. <laughs> <laughs> but was that, wasn't Kyle Bowler, did he go to Cal? Am I wrong yeah. on him? Yeah. Like, so he, he was he's smart. Hey, what? And he had a he great arm. Play. Yeah, he couldn't play. See, he had to, he played for Brian Billick, who's very intellectual. And, and Brian uh, Brian likes to be hands on with his offense and his quarterbacks and all that. And I just think he blew Bowler's mind. To be honest with you, I, I just I lose, I, that was hard to watch too. But you know, like, I don't know. I don't even know what he's doing now. Uh, uh, he didn't make all that much money. His dad was a fireman. Maybe he's doing that. I don't know. I don't wow. know. But That'd be a good uh, catch. I just up love the line story. The kid couldn't play dead in a Western. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, good. <laughs> Sonny Smith used to say that all the time. He, he, he would say he couldn't play dead in a cowboy movie, but I think. Oh, the, man. Yeah, I remember that. There, and I also remember, remember? a Sonny line. Like Charles yeah. Barkley's last year there. They said, uh, what, what, what offense are you going to run? He said, I'm going to run my contract renewal offense. <laughs> Get the ball to Charles. <laughs> yep. Kept him around. All right, too. guys. Thanks, Bruce. We'll see you. All right, we'll be back with the final segment of Big Noon Sports here in just a flash. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker 
who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A very cool afternoon with sunshine and full supply. The high today, 51. A freeze late tonight, clear with a low at 29. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 55 and 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is. It is big noon sports. Thanks for tuning us in today. Just a couple of notes here from the Heisman. Jalen Milrow finished sixth. How about that? And the winner, Jaden Daniels, had his suit tailored by a guy from Alabaster. How about that? Man, it was a good-looking light blue suit, three-piece. Man, he was just donning some duds now. Pierce Bespoke is this guy's name, who now has evidently a shop down in the New Orleans area. Now, on to the Associated Press and their first-team All-Americans, Lars. Yeah, um, uh, I definitely will not mention the fact that when I said that Jaden, or excuse me, Jalen Milrow is being thought of as a Heisman Trophy candidate. I was laughed and mocked by a certain co-host of the show, but that's okay. Laugh We're, and mock is a little <laughs> bit deep. You know, I'm prone to hyperbole. Come on. <laughs> yes. Uh, that being said, you don't have to be into hyperbole here. When you read off the all this is this is really uh, incredible. Because you look at the first team All-Americans and uh, seven of the players were either in their fifth or sixth season of eligibility. And, uh, and that was headlined. And, of course, we had the COVID year. We got the transfer thing, uh, just all, all sorts of, of, of crazy stuff. But headlined by Jaden Daniels, first team All-American uh, quarterback LSU, won the Heisman Trophy uh, and, and very much deserving. But he's joined in the backfield by a player that both you and I love, uh, Missouri running back Cody Schrader, sixth year sixth year uh former d2 player uh the other six-year player on a A ap uh first team uh was uh um peyton wilson nc state linebacker and then uh sorry also on the on the first team kansas state guard cooper bb uh edge rusher uh uh latu from ucla jalen green from james madison and texas defensive tackle devon day sweet but then um and and just as a reminder the college players who were in school during the 2020 pandemic season were granted an extra year 
of eligibility. And then on top of that, 11 more fifth-year players made the second and third teams. And uh, they were, uh, um, so uh, uh, 11, uh, and so including Michael Penix, uh, Notre Dame offensive tackle Joe Alt, um, and, uh, but let's, uh, here's sort of the headline for Alabama. Alabama led all teams with three first team all Americans. And, um, I told you over the break who they were, but, but would you have guessed the three that I had mentioned to you going into the season two? Absolutely. And those would be Kool-Aid and Dallas Turner, and both made it, right? Yes. Uh, they the were first-team All-American. Yeah. Tarion Arnold. Tarion yeah. Arnold. Uh, and he's deserving. And he, he may be other uh, – I think at least on the defensive side of the ball, most improved player. And and we know that he has a special relationship with, with Miss Terry, and he is so vital to everything that Alabama does – but uh, I'll just quickly run through the first team uh, offense. Jaden Daniels, a quarterback. Ollie Gordon, second uh, at running back. Schrader, running back. Tackles Joe Alt at Notre Dame. Uh, uh, Alu Fashanu at Penn State. Guards Cooper Beebe at K State. Zach Zinner, Michigan. Uh, we'll learn a lot more about Zach Zinner in, in the coming weeks as Alabama prepares to play Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Center Jackson Powers from Oregon. Tight end, no surprise, Brock Bowers. Wide receivers, uh, Malik Neighbors, uh, Neighbors from uh, LSU. Marvin Harrison Jr., who we've talked a lot about. Uh, Rome Unduze from Washington. All-purpose player Travis Turner from Colorado, kicker in a bit of an upset Graham Nelson from Miami of Ohio, and then on defense, I'm just going to go to basically uh, the defensive uh, linebackers: Peyton Wilson, six-year player from NC State; Edgar Cooper, fourth-year player from Texas A&M; Dallas Turner, third-year player Alabama; corners. Cooper DeJean, third-year player at Iowa. Kool-Aid, third-year at Alabama. Safeties, Malik Sarks, uh, second-year at Georgia. Xavier Watts, fourth-year at Notre Dame. And then they list uh, Terry and Arnold just as a, a defensive back, okay. right, in, in his third year. And, uh, and then uh, we go down, and this was surprising to me, and it, I think it surprised you as well. Uh, one, okay, Bo Nix, third-team All-American at, at quarterback. Third-team All-American kicker. Riker? Yeah. Why is He's he not first-team? leading first scorer team? in the history of the world. And he, yeah, exactly. He's college football. Yeah. Why, why is crazy. he not uh, uh, first-team? Uh, I think at but, one point this year, and it's been recent, he might have missed three out of four. But before that, he'd made 20 in a row. So I don't get that either. Yeah, I uh, yeah I, I I don't understand that. But it, it's just interesting to see how many fifth and sixth year 
players uh, made uh, this list of uh, being, uh, you know, uh, first team All American, second team All American, third team All American. But what's incredibly fascinating is that Alabama, both of their cornerbacks are first team All Americans. I can't ever remember that. And you know what? If Alabama ends up playing Texas in the national championship game, watch out. I think I think everybody. I I, I don't know. I I have family in uh, in Austin, and they're chirping already, chirping already. And you know good what? My belief me. is, good luck beating Alabama twice in one year. No kidding. And <laughs> you're playing a totally different team, by the way. But it could be just a great football game. Hey, do any of those uh, positions, first-team AP, do you get money now? I'm just curious. I know if you're a Heisman winner, you become a member of the Nissan team. So I'm guessing you get money uh, as a bonus, maybe incentive met in a NIL deal. Hey, you should be involved in the collective. Hey, we got to go. Thanks, Lars. Tomorrow we'll talk Michigan football with your guy. What's his name? Chris Schmidt. Help me. Chris Chris Schmidt. Schmidt. Yep. Big Ten radio guy. All right. Y'all have a wonderful day.